hear the word of the Lord. This is Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All right, um, as Alan said earlier, today we are continuing our sermon series on the five core values of the Gwinnett Church of Christ. Again, the reason we're doing this is we want to be intentional about who we are and where we're growing. We want to continue to grow. Uh, we want to be the church that God has called us to be. Uh, and so these points were not developed by me in isolation by any stretch as we're continuing to emphasize this is something that our leadership team as a whole has put together and we want to walk all of us as a church through this as we continue moving forward. Uh, so if you've missed any of the lessons so far, here's what we've talked about up to date. Uh, number one is celebrate grace. Okay, we want to be a church where we are a part of the healing process that we all go through. Okay, we want to extend grace to others. We want to welcome people here no matter what baggage they bring with them. Okay, this is a church. If we could only be known for one thing, we'd want it to be this, right? All right, number next. Uh, we are committed to growth. Okay, and what this means is that each of us individually should be involved in spiritual disciplines and building authentic relationships and practicing uh, the Christian life with each other so that no matter what point we came into this church, we don't stay there, but we become more like Jesus over time right? Also, not only do we grow as individuals, but we are committed as a church to growing both locally by reaching people around us, inviting people to church, that kind of thing. Uh, also, growing on a global scale. We're involved in missions around the world uh, be, as we recognize that we are part of what God is doing on a global scale, right? Commit to grow. Uh, by the way, I heard a, a statistic this week. Only about 2% of people who are in church this morning, and this is Christendom across, you know, the United States, uh, only about 2% of people actually in a given year will invite somebody to church, okay? If we're going to do this as a value, we got to do better than that, right? Commit to growth. All right, number next. Uh, we have talked a lot about this already today, but build authentic relationships. Uh, we need to support each other. We need to be in each other's lives. We can't do this in one hour a week, right? Uh, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be a family, and we're going to have to act like it. Uh, we think this is one of the strengths of GCC. Uh, and if you will invest yourselves here, you'll find out just what a brotherhood and sisterhood we have with each other. Fair enough? Yes? Okay. Yes. All right. And then, so far, I don't know that I have said too much in this series that's very controversial. It's hard to be against these things, right? Nobody's sitting in the pew going, well, I don't like grace. Um, all this stuff is stuff we should all pretty well agree on. It's often easier for us to say than it is for us to live out, but at least we have this ideal that we're striving for to be these things. Okay, but I am about to make us uncomfortable this morning uh, because this next value is certainly one that it is easier for us to put on a screen and say, yeah, we agree with that, 
than it is for us to actually live out. Okay, a lot of churches struggle with this next value, but we think this is a strength of GCC, and this is a big part of what makes us the church we are and the church that we want to be. Okay, so number four is protect unity. Now, every church would say that they value unity, and I think they would legitimately mean it. Again, kind of like with the grace point earlier, nobody comes in and says, well, we don't like unity here, okay? Everyone would say that they value it. Nobody reading scripture with any kind of integrity is against unity. And yet there are a couple of different ways that churches go about trying to protect unity. Primarily, we think there are two ways churches are trying to protect unity, and they are mutually exclusive from each other. All right? So two mutually exclusive ways that churches can go about trying to protect unity. All right? And number one, is to limit diversity as much as possible. Okay, one way you can protect unity is by limiting diversity as much as possible. And typically here, I'm not talking about racial diversity, uh, although that has certainly happened to the detriment of the kingdom of God, right? Okay, what I'm talking about when churches are trying to protect unity and so they limit diversity is I'm talking about the diversity of ideas and scriptural interpretations, all right? One of the ways that you can protect unity in a church is make sure that everybody agrees with everybody about as much as possible and limit any diverging opinions. That make sense? All right. Okay, so around the year 1900, okay, so going back even before Randy's time, right? We're going back a long way now, right? Okay, there were concerns around the country of Spanish flu and tuberculosis, and there were lots of diseases ravaging communities. And so what happened in a church up in the Northeast is they invented individual communion cups. Okay? Uh, we all just took communion a few minutes ago, and you didn't have to share a cup with your neighbor. You got your own cup. Okay? Amen. Right. <laughs> Amen. Okay, that started because of concerns about spreading diseases. Okay, before individual communion cups, there would be one cup in a church, and everybody would pass that one cup around, and you would drink after everybody else. Okay, which if we went back to real wine, that would solve some of that, but that's a whole separate, that's a different sermon. All right, so what happened when they started using individual cups at churches? Well, now we can fight. Okay? And people started arguing with each other in church about whether or not it was scriptural, whether or not it was okay for us to use individual communion cups. After all, the Bible says cup singular. It doesn't say cups plural. So is it okay in our communion services to use individual cups or should we just use one cup that we all share? And part of the imagery of all of communion is we're doing this together, right? We're all partaking of one loaf. We're partaking of one cup. You lose all of that when you go to multiple individual cups. So starting next Sunday, we're going to have one cup. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing it, right? But this was the argument. And so what happened is, is a lot of churches said, well, we're really worried about Spanish flu, so we're going to go to individual cups. The people that would disagree with that decision would often leave, and then they would have churches that divided, and churches would decide very staunchly, either we're going to be a one-cup church or we're going to be a plurality of cup churches. And now, now that we've divided everybody out who disagrees on this, now we have unity. Okay? You laugh, but that's what we've done. Okay? 
Um, and largely over time, the one cup churchers lost that argument, okay, as all their kids grew up and said, yeah, we're not doing that, okay? Right, but the point is, one of the ways that you can achieve unity in a church is you say, well, if you disagree with this decision, then there is a church down the road that you can go to, and then we'll be over here and have our unity, and you can be over there and have your unity. And one of the ways you can have unity in a church is make sure that everybody agrees on all the issues. Now, I picked that story because that was a good Church of Christ story. That's something that we did in our fellowship. Okay, I could have picked stories very similar to that one from Methodists or Baptists or Presbyterians or whoever, or I could have picked a similar story from Corinth or Ephesus or Galatia from the New Testament because this is not a denominational problem. This is a human problem, right? So, one of the ways that you can have unity in a church is to limit the diversity of opinions amongst Christians. So one of the ways that we can do this is we could go through all of the issues and say that if you want to be a part of this church, here is the GCC stance on all of the issues, and so long as you agree with us on all of those things, then we can enjoy unity. And you can have a very united church with purity of thought, with everyone mostly in agreement, by limiting diversity. Okay? Uh, I get calls occasionally in the office where people want to know, is this a sound church? Right? And then they will ask me a series of questions to figure out whether or not GCC is sound in the faith. And if I pass their test, their quiz, then they'll come visit. And if I don't, they go somewhere else. By the way, usually if they're starting with that as their question, we don't pass their test, by the way. Okay? And so then they'll go look for sound doctrine somewhere else. All right, and this limiting of diversity uh, is always couched in the idea that, well, we take the Bible seriously, and everyone who doesn't agree with us on all of these issues doesn't love the Word of God as much as I do, right? So, one way to protect unity is to make sure that everyone agrees as much as possible on all of the issues that we consider important. And if you limit diversity in a church, you can have greater unity. Okay. Just to be crystal clear before anyone leaves, uh, this is an option that we have firmly rejected as a leadership team at the Gwinnett Church of Christ. Okay. That is not how we want to go about protecting our unity. All right. The second way, and this is the one that I really care about, for how we can protect unity here at GCC. And if you're only going to write one thing down, let it be this. Okay, and that is that we unite on the essentials and be humble about everything else. Okay. You know, the movement uh, amongst Christians that ultimately, be, ultimately became the Churches of Christ started as a unity movement. Uh, there were a few pretty influential preachers back in the late 17, early 1800s that were looking around at the religious landscape in this new country called America, and they saw that everyone was dividing more and more amongst all these different denominations, and new denominations were popping up every other week, and they were dividing on all these different creeds and all these different personalities, and well, we're going to follow this preacher, we're going to follow this preacher, and it was basically like first century Corinth all over again. And so a couple of pretty influential guys said, you know what? This is not what Jesus ever had in mind. 
Go read John 17 and Jesus' prayer for unity. Go look at all the things in the Bible about how we're supposed to be one in Jesus. And they started what eventually became Churches of Christ saying, we need to put all of these creeds and all of this other stuff behind us and just agree on Jesus and let that be our guiding star. And if we can be a New Testament people, can't that just be enough? All right? Uh, One of the, the quotes that pops up a lot in their writings early was this. It's, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Okay, and that last line is the part that we often left off. Okay? How can we do this? How can we be humble? In other words, uh, if we have to wait until everyone in the room is right about everything, then we would never be able to worship or serve together. Uh, I would serve in a church of one because I'm the only one that I know that's right about everything, Right? Unity doesn't come from agreeing on everything. Real unity comes from agreeing on the gospel and then having an attitude of humility and love. Fair enough? JJ's the only one that amen that. We're going to need more than that. Okay? Thank you. All right, I want us to go back to our scripture. This is Ephesians 4, again starting in verse 1. Notice again what he says. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So, part of what we get from this text is that there is a list of things that we have to agree on to be the church together. There are some things that are absolutely essential for us to agree on. For instance, how many lords are there? One. Okay, how many faiths are there? One. How many baptisms are there? One. Okay. You can always visit GCC no matter what you believe. Okay. You don't have to agree with anything on the screen to visit us here at GCC. Okay. To be a member here, though, you have to agree on the gospel story of Jesus. Okay. You have to be baptized into that story. You can't be here and believe in Zeus and Baal and Ra as other gods. You can't be an atheist and a Christian. you got to pick a lane, right? Uh, We have to be united on Jesus. We have to keep this gospel first and foremost in who we are and what we do or else we aren't a church. There's no diversity of opinions here about whether or not Jesus is Lord. We are going to be really narrow-minded about our belief in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But the list of things that we have to agree upon as brothers and sisters working and serving together in God's kingdom here at GCC is a short list. And here in Ephesians 4, we believe that Paul gives us a really good list of things that we have to be united on. Does that make sense? All right. But notice what he says right before giving us this list again. Notice again verse 2 of Ephesians 4. He says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Okay, and that phrase, bear with one another, uh, that only works 
that only is a virtue if we are being patient and bearing with one another on stuff that we disagree on. Okay? We don't need that phrase if we all agree on everything, and we don't need that phrase if we're just talking about minor things like what kind of coffee we serve or what color we painted the auditorium. Okay? It's not maturity to bear with each other on those kinds of issues. Maturity comes when we're bearing with one another on stuff that we actually care about and stuff that matters. Okay? That's what it means to bear with one another. We are going to disagree about stuff, even meaningful things, okay? But the mark of maturity is whether or not we can be humble and gentle and patient and bear with each other, even though we disagree with each other. All right, if you're not uncomfortable yet, uh, let me make it worse. All right, let me, let me make you squirm a little bit. Whew. Okay, and before I do, uh, let me remind you that this sermon series is not part of some agenda where at the end of it we're going to unveil the GCC rock band or something, right? Okay, uh, that's not what we're doing. This whole purpose of the series with our values is not to introduce some brand new thing. Uh, it's to talk about who we are and where we're going and what we're about here at GCC. Okay, I promise you there's no hidden agenda, okay? Or if it's hidden, it's hidden from me too. I don't know anything about it, all right? All right, so here is a list of some of the hot-button questions going through churches right now. All right? I told you I was going to make you uncomfortable. Here we go. Number one, should women preach and teach? Number two, should slash can we use instruments in worship? Number three, is the earth thousands or billions of years old? Number next, is hell a literal place? Or is it metaphorical? Number nine, or whatever's next. Uh, can people, uh, counting's never my thing, all right. Can people practice miraculous spiritual gifts today? And finally, because uh, this is probably enough to make us all uncomfortable, uh, is social drinking immoral? All right. Is that a good list? Here's my point. There are people in this room right now, worshiping together, serving alongside each other, who disagree with each other about all of these things. Okay? There are people in this room on either side of every single one of these questions. All right? I have personally changed my mind on a couple of the things on this list. In other words, I used to be wrong about some of this, but now I'm right about all of it. If you want to know the right answer to any of these, you just got to ask me, I'll tell you, okay? No, but here's my point for saying that. Okay, so I used to be on the other side of some of these issues than I am today. When I was on the other side of some of these questions, did I cease to be your brother in Christ? Should I have left this church and gone and worshiped somewhere else because we weren't all in agreement on all these things? Or is what unites us and our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ way more important than everything on this list? Right? All right. I even wrote that down because I think that matters, okay? What unites us and our belief in the gospel is so much more important than the questions that divide us. So, all right, here's another thing. Here's a mental exercise. I want you to pick one of those questions from the, the previous slide uh, that you fall firmly on one side of, okay? Uh, pick one of the, the issue questions, right? Uh, any one of them. I want everybody to have one of those questions that you have a strong opinion on firmly in your mind. Everyone got one? 
You've got one of, the, one of those out there. It's in your head. All right? Hold that in your thought. And I want you to know this. Okay, there are people who know more Bible than you and who love Scripture just as much as you do who are on the other side of that issue. Okay, so this is not as simple as, well, I'm following the Bible and they're not. Okay? We have to be more humble than that. Remember one of the big virtues that Paul lays out? He says we have to be humble. If we're not humble in how we hold our interpretations of all of these things, then we are not following what the New Testament teaches us. Are we humble and gentle, willing to bear with one another in love? That is the mark of maturity. All right Now, uh, listen to me carefully about all of this. Okay, there is no virtue in being wrong. Okay? I want to be right. Everyone wants to be right. Okay? I want to learn more about all of these questions, and there's a hundred other questions that we could have put up on the screen, right? Okay, to one extent or another, I have addressed all of these things in my preaching and teaching, and I care about these issues. Right? By putting these up on the board, I'm not saying that those questions are unimportant. Okay, we're not talking about the color of the carpet, right? We're talking about things that actually matter, things that change how we do ministry. Okay, as a church, we will make some decisions on some of these issues that impact what we do here. Okay, churches had to decide on how to do communion when they came out with individual plastic cups, right? And that affected everybody in the church, even people who didn't like it. Okay, at the end of the day, all of us have to make decisions about what we believe on these and a whole host of things. Okay, people are passionate about questions like these, and we do want to get it right. Okay, but what I am saying with this is that our unity at GCC isn't going to be based on a uniformity of thought on all of the issues. Okay? We believe in a unity that embraces diversity. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, to be blunt, if you are looking for a church where everyone agrees about all of the hot-button issues, then GCC's not a good fit for you. Okay? At GCC, we believe that God has brought together an extremely diverse people, and it's a blessing. Okay? Part of why our church has the health that it does is because our diversity gives us a wide set of skills and experiences and viewpoints from which to do ministry. Okay, all of us are learning, all of us are trying to grow, and we want to do that with humility and love and patience that bears with each other. All right. All right. Three quick thoughts on this, and then I'll be done. All right. Unity with diversity. Uh, number one is that we are an extremely diverse church, and that is so much more than color. All right. Uh, although our diversity in color is something that we need to celebrate and recognize regularly. Uh, I heard another statistic just this last week. Um, numbers are hard to come by because churches report things differently. Okay, but approximately 90% of the churches in the United States of America are one race. Okay, they might have a scattering of other people, but primarily they're just one race. It's only about 10% of churches in America that experience any real diversity. Okay, we are blessed that we are a church that has some actual ethnic diversity. I want my kids growing up in a church. I really want my kids growing up in a church where they don't look like everybody else, right? 
I think they're going to be better people because they grow up seeing people and interacting with people that are not just like them in every way, right? That's a strength. All right, but that's not the only diversity that we have here. That's really not even the most important diversity. Well, it shouldn't be, right? We also have economic diversity here at our church. We have educational diversity. We have all kinds of theological diversity. We've got a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds that have come here. Okay, we've already talked about our spiritual diversity, right? Uh, You can see both Randy and I on the stage at the same time and see we have some attractiveness diversity at our church. Also, again, Randy and I on the same stage, we have an age diversity at this church. We are blessed to have a church where we have lots of younger people, lots of young families, and lots of kids. Uh, One of the things that we want to emphasize here at GCC is this is not the kind of church where, well, you have to be here for a bunch of years and you have to reach a certain amount of gray hair in your head before you get a seat at the table. That's not who we are. We recognize that God's given lots of us, uh, of all ages, different things that we can bring to the table, and we want to celebrate that and take advantage of that, right? All right. Nobody is going to think less of you or treat you as less because of whatever diversity you're bringing to the table. We think that's a strength, okay? So we think diversity challenges us. That's one of the reasons it's good. Uh, Again, if you're only ever around people just like you, then you don't have to question anything. You don't have to grow as a person, okay? Our diversity is good. Also, we feel like our diversity allows us to reach and minister to a wide variety of people. In other words, there's going to be people that I can't reach that you can reach. There's going to be people that you can reach that the person next to you may not be able to reach, all right? God is using all of us to reach a wide variety of people, and that's part of what makes GCC strong, all right? And number next, um, By the way, when we all get to heaven, it's not going to look everybody just like you, right? And so one of the things that we get to celebrate now um, is the fact that God has created us as a diverse people, and that's a blessing. That's a good thing. All right? All right. Number next. Somewhat tangential to this, but it does fit. Um, We believe in unity with diversity also by the fact that we are apolitical. Right? You're never going to have me as the preacher at this church pass out voting guides or tell you how to vote in the next election. Right? That's not going to happen. Uh, we've got a bunch of people here who are very strongly Democrat. That's how they vote. We've got a bunch of people here who are very strongly Republican, and that's how they vote. With some of y'all, you can go on Facebook and figure it out real fast who's who. Right? All right. Um, and... I encourage you to be involved in politics if you want to be. That's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. Um, But we are never going to endorse any kind of a political party or system here at the Gwinnett Church of Christ. We think that the kingdom of God is a whole lot bigger than what's going on here in the United States of America. Uh, It's been around for a long time. I don't ever get applause during church. That's two in one Sunday. We should spread this out, okay? Okay. But there's a few people out in the world, I won't say anybody here, we'll say in other churches, okay, there are some people who need to be told that Barack Obama is not the Messiah. Donald Trump's not the Messiah, okay? There's one Messiah. He doesn't sit in Washington. Uh, He died on a cross 2,000 years ago, right? Uh, We firmly believe that the solution to the problems of this world is Jesus. We'll never be a politician, okay? So, Even though we got a bunch of folks all along the political spectrum, we think that what unites us is a lot more important than what divides us, right? Okay, very good. And finally, uh, we are peacemakers. 
Right? The final piece of our unity is that we are peacemakers. We understand there's going to be conflict that arises, right? Uh, we're not always going to get along with each other. Some of y'all are wrong about some stuff, right? Um, that, that's part of how it goes, right? But we are resolved um, to resolve our conflict in productive ways. Okay? When we have a problem with a brother or sister, we don't go talk about it to everybody else. We go talk about it with a brother or sister, right? There's healthy ways that we can address our conflict. We can talk about anything. There's nothing off the table for our conversations with each other. Uh, we want this to be the kind of place where if you don't like something that I preach, you can come talk to me about it. You don't have to go run and talk to the elders about it, right? We're not going to play those kind of games where we're trying to divide each other and find out, well, are you on my side of this issue or are you on the other side of this issue? Okay, we don't want to be that kind of people. We are a united people, um, and we want to be united in our core belief in Jesus. All right, we feel like God has given us a wonderful gift of unity, and we are going to fiercely protect it. Fair enough? All right. At this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. Uh, this is a time in our service where we as the church want to be here for you. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that is going on in your life as we believe quite strongly in the power of God's people gathered together in prayer. Uh, and before we sing this song, though, I would like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.